This is Zips Unlimited, a show about the University of Akron, its programs, its people, and its community. Zips Unlimited is produced by WZIP-FM. Hello and welcome to another episode of Zips Unlimited. My name is Chris Kepler. I'm the general manager here at WZIP. Today, we're going to be talking about, basically about history, um, and a little bit later in the program, uh, you'll have an email address and also a website you should check out because it's the kind of thing that you could contribute to. Uh, maybe you have some stories, maybe you uh, have some information, you have some artifacts that would go into this multidisciplinary project uh, here at the University of Akron. With that being said, Dr. Gregory Wilson is here. He's a professor of history at the University of Akron, along with Dr. Hillary Nunn. She's a professor of English. And um, this thing is really cool. I we, we were at a lunch, and I just happened to be, I don't know how this came up, and I said, let's remember this. I want to talk about this on the air in a couple of months. And so, so here we are. I did not know what the Green Book was. I had never heard of that term. Um, and for other people listening right now who don't, how can you summarize that? What is the Green, a green Book? Yeah, sure. So the Green Book uh, was developed back in the, I guess, the early part, early middle part of the 20th century um, as a way for black motorists to have safe places to travel. Uh, and so the Green Book started in New York City and then soon expanded outward from New York to include information on where to stay, where to eat, uh, where to get your hair done, where to get your car serviced for black Americans during the Jim Crow era. So basically from around the 1920s, 1930s through the 1960s. So the Green Book came out in multiple editions um, over those years. So it spread out from New York. Uh, it included most of your major cities in the United States. And that eventually included uh, Cleveland especially, but then they branched out and started to include information about Akron. Uh, so particularly along uh, where Howard, Howard Street and then uh, neighborhoods in and around that area. Mm -hmm. So um, And it finally went out of, uh, out of publication in the late 1960s. So if I were... If I were a black person or family traveling uh, during that era, maybe I, I don't know, I'm passing through, I'm visiting relatives, maybe I'm relocating for a job, something like that, I'm going to be able to use this guy to figure out like mm -hmm. where I'm going to be accepted, where it's okay for me to go in and order a hamburger or exactly. you know, yeah. gasoline or whatever yeah. it is that I need. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, where you can go, not only, not just to be safe, but also not to suffer the indignity of having to say, go around the back door to pick up your lunch or something mm -hmm. like that. Uh, you'd be treated with dignity at, at these um, places of business. So, yes. I guess it's, it reminds me almost of, um, in, in today's terms, we have a lot of uh, designations that a, a business will be LGBTQ friendly. Mm -hmm. Um, it reminds me a little bit of that. Yeah. It's just done. In, were, were these things very um, easy to get your hands on? Was, was there resistance to even having them? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, you could you could get them um, from various places. They sold them. Um, you know, Green was a post postman, right? So he was uh, involved in making sure that. Um, everyone could get a hold of one who needed one. So gas stations, places like that would have them. Uh, and then you could pick one up. Um, and then it became kind of a, a business in a sense. Um, advertisements would go in there. So it became really a big project. And then um, it was he and his wife. And when he died, his wife took over the business. So it was became a, a marketing 
kind of business, if you will, um, for black uh, business, black entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. So not only the Greens, right, who had published the Green Book, but then for black business owners themselves, this was a way for them to really um, market their business and develop black entrepreneurship in, a, in an age that was really trying to suppress that. So, yeah. All right. So we're talking uh, you know, several decades ago, mm -hmm. um, but resurrected now yeah. here at the University of Akron. I think uh, Cleveland State was involved in this at one point, right? Yeah. The, the, what's happened is um, Mark Souther, who's a professor of history at Cleveland State, he has developed a uh, digital humanities project website that is basically trying to, as you say, resurrect in a digital format uh, the green books um, from that period. So he began the project Green Book Cleveland. Um, he and his students started to research and then publish information about all of the different sites that were showing up in the green book. And then in addition to that, sites that weren't in the green book, but were uh, black friendly or black owned businesses as well. So it expanded um, beyond just what was listed in the green book. Mm -hmm. So and then uh, over the years, they've added some information in Akron, but they didn't have a lot of information in Akron. So, um, and that's kind of where we got involved at that point is to expand it outside of Cleveland to, to include um, Akron sites. Okay. Mm -hmm. And specifically then that included a, uh, a graduate level class uh, for students who were studying applied history at the master's level here at the university. That's, that's how this really came to life then, right? Yeah, exa exactly. Um, it, it came came together in a, a really fortuitous way. We had, we had basically just started this graduate program in applied history. Uh, and then I met with Hillary over the summer. Um, we got together with the folks who were at the Cuyahoga Valley National Park and Mark from Cleveland State. The Cuyahoga Valley National Park has had a real deep interest in promoting um, black leisure, black um, use of recreational space. It's been a story that the park has not been telling and hasn't been able to tell. And so they're very interested in developing uh, more sites like the Green Book that they can get involved in. So we all got together over the summer and just decided that having the project come around as it did would be great for our graduate program in history, and we could get our students involved in building it. And then, Hillary, you were working on a, an unclass at the same time, and that could extend what, what our group started out in, in the fall, and you're doing now in the spring, right? Right. Yeah. So the unclass that I'm teaching right now um, is called an unclass because they are project-based courses where the students find their own way through the material. Um, we give them some focus, and much of the focus here is on adding to the Cleveland Green Book or the Green Book Cleveland Project. So um, my students um, are working right now on jazz, um, and that is something that is very much associated with Howard Street. I'm lucky enough to get to team teach the class with Theron Brown, who is helping them understand the role of jazz in the time period, and then they are also researching the places where the jazz was actually performed in Akron. Now, if I go to, or if anybody goes to um, greenbookcleveland.org, mm -hmm. that's where I'm going to see, right. actually see yep. the result of a lot right. of this work, right? Yep. Exactly. Yeah, so the way mm -hmm. it works is um, the students research, uh, we have a list of sites that were um, in the Green Book, or some were not, and then we use that list that the park had created um, and sent them off in, in individual um, research uh, assignments to basically find out more information about the sites, 
locate images, locate newspaper stories, uh, anything they can find in the archives here at the university as well, and then um, basically create those uh, those locations that are on the website. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it has a cool map. You can zoom in yeah. and... And see exactly, and then information about the site, exactly. uh, whatever's yeah. available. I mean, yep. in some cases, it's right. probably kind of sparse, but that's part of the project exactly. is to fill exactly. that in as much as possible. Right. Yeah. Some and I think sites that's have where a lot, some have very little. Yeah. Okay, I think that's where you had said um, that it's possible that people who are familiarizing themselves with this, they might have information right. that yes. could be helpful. Is that? Is that true? Definitely. We certainly hope that that's the case. Um, we are excited to hear from from people in Akron and elsewhere who know about these locations. Um, my students are putting out a call on social media for this. Um, so mm -hmm. there are all sorts of ways to contact them. But the students are, are busy on Instagram, and we mm -hmm. keep a blog, and all of that has the contact information. Um, but of course, we can mm -hmm. be contacted as well okay. <laughs> directly. Yeah, contact mm -hmm. us directly mm -hmm. or just go on to the Green Book website mm -hmm. themselves and add information about any of the sites that are up there because mm -hmm. that's really what this is about is trying to connect and build uh, community history which has been forgotten um, mm -hmm. and so I think that's really important that we can make those connections and hopefully we do. And one thing that, that my students are discovering a lot when working with Howard Street is that it's really hard to, to research places that don't exist anymore. Um, <laughs> many of these places um, were, were eliminated during interbelt days. And so putting them on a map is really challenging. Um, so we're particularly hoping for help with that. Okay, very good. Uh, we happen to have a couple students, not from the unclass, but graduate students who were part of the project last semester. Emily Hill and Melanie Muller are here. And we're going to bring them in um, to hear a little bit more about, I guess, the particulars and, and, and maybe why, you know, this was something intriguing. It, you know, when you enrolled in uh, this graduate program, did you imagine doing stuff like this? Is this kind of where you were going or were you thinking it was going to be a very different kind of study, at least for that one class? Um, I mean, I love doing this kind of work, so kind of researching people and doing that. So I was very excited that we were going to do it. I guess I wasn't expecting it at first, but it was a pleasant surprise for last semester. Mm -hmm. That was kind of my same experience. Um, I knew that we were going to be working with the public and researching um, that our areas of research would be of this nature, but um, I wasn't exactly sure what it would look like. So it was a pleasant surprise. And obviously you're intrigued with history or you wouldn't be in a graduate program for, right. you know, applied history. Um, what is it about this specific thing, though, that, that you think is, is pretty cool? Um, I mean, these were everyday people that, you know, owned businesses and had a whole life and community that, has, like Dr. Wilson said, has kind of been forgotten. So it's nice to be, be able to kind of bring that back and show people that there were, you know, they had rich lives and a great community. Mm -hmm. yeah. And Akron is kind of known for its rubber industry, so it was really right. interesting to me to be able to look at these different other types of businesses, um, especially the fact that they were black-owned, and um, that also made them unique in a way. What, what was surprising? I mean, what, what kinds of things did you run into where you were really kind of floored with what you discovered? Was there anything? I definitely was surprised. Um, I researched Hawkins Service Station at Garage, and um, both Mr. Hawkins and his wife uh, were involved in a lot of um, social and civic organizations, mm -hmm. um, and in most of the articles that mentioned his wife, Louise, she wasn't referred to as Louise Hawkins. She was referred to as Mrs. Hawkins, 
which I took an issue with because <laughs> yeah. she was her own person. Right. Um, but that really just surprised me that she was Mrs. Hawkins, not Louise, not her own person, really. Mm. Yeah. Um, so one of the locations that I researched was Green Turtle Cafe, which was before the um, Green Book really kind of got started. Um, but the owner, Leonard Foreman, later owned uh, Green Turtle Hotel, which is listed in there. But other than owning businesses, he was really active, um, kind of like Emily said, really active in fraternal um, groups and other civic. He was very civically minded. Um, he hosted... I think the Tire Town Democrats um, groups at his um, businesses. So he was very engaged politically as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see where that would definitely be a takeaway for, for something like this. I'm kind of, what else? What I mean, you know, you spent a whole semester on this. There's probably a lot of really cool things that, that surfaced. Yeah, so the other thing that um, was a really great discovery was going down into the university archives and special collections, um, looking in their... Evelyn and Horace Stewart photo collection. Um, This was a black couple that had a photography studio in Akron um, and photographed a lot of um, people in the black community, I think through the 20s or 30s, Mm -hmm. through at least the 70s, Um, which it's it's an unprocessed collection, meaning it's not easily available right now. Um, But fortunately, we were able to go in there um, and I was able to find two portraits of uh, two of the people that I had researched. Um, which they didn't have many photos of them available, like in the newspapers or anything. So that was really, really cool to see those photos and um, see those be able to be posted online on the Green Book Cleveland site. Do you feel almost like a connection to those people? I mean, you you learn so much about them that really probably nobody currently knows except for you until you shared. Yeah, I mean, it's cool to put a face to a person that you've been researching for a couple weeks, Um, definitely. So... Yeah, it was very exciting. It was kind of looking for a needle in a haystack. I had to go through a couple boxes of um, individual envelopes with people's names on it of their portraits. Um, so it took a couple hours, but it was it was a lot of fun and a really cool find. Let's remind our listeners, this is Zips Unlimited on WZIP 88.1 FM. My name is Chris Kepper. I'm the general manager. Uh, you just heard a few moments ago, Drs. Gregory Wilson and Hillary Nunn, and now joining me, we have two graduate students, Emily Hill and Melanie Moeller, talking all about the Green Book Project. And um, as we heard a few minutes ago, uh, at least this part of this um, really originated at Cleveland State University, expanded here to Akron. And we've had a couple different classes that are you know, really adding to uh, the collection of, of, of information that's available publicly. Um, this is not, not, a, not a top secret kind of document or anything like that. I'm I'm kind of curious what now you're you're both studying applied histories at the graduate applied history at the graduate level. What are your goals career wise? I mean, do you know what you what you plan to do? Um, not entirely sure. Um, okay. I work a lot with content and like historical research and genealogy, kind of in my own jobs right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm interested in continuing that. Um, but having the degree has been really nice to kind of enrich that and learn new skills. Mm-hmm. My interests. Um, fall more like in the legal field. Uh, My original plan was to go to law school, um, but when this applied history program came up, uh, that's where my, I was more interested in that. So um, I would really love to take the skills that I've learned in this program and uh, go into a career where I can go to legislators and say, hey, here's your proposed bill, your proposed legislation. Here's what you think it's going to do. That's not going to happen. This is what it's actually going to do. Okay. So. You know, you're, you're not in the class anymore. But do you still have interest in this, or was this just a class and finals week came and went and and you're done? I mean, I have a feeling 
you know, you're still um, very interested and maybe even involved. Yeah, definitely. Um, actually, some of the sites I was assigned during the class were not um, listed on the Green Book and didn't make it on the website. Um, there were two funeral homes, um, Black-owned funeral homes that, you know, I have the research. It's not living anywhere except on my computer right now, but I'm hoping it can be shared somewhere. Um, and I'm also really interested in local Akron history. Um, my capstone I'm working on processing um, the West Side Neighbors Collection, which was a uh, neighborhood group in West Akron that formed in the late 60s um, and kind of has some relationship to the Inner Belt project mm -hmm. that went on during that time as well too. So yeah, I'm, I'm still maybe not directly working with it, but still definitely interested in that area mm -hmm. and research. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely still keeping an eye on it too. Um, and it's been, I've become more interested in talking with like people that I know um, that grew up in Akron about their experiences growing up in the community and um, if they were familiar with any of these businesses. So it's kind of uh, outside of my academic um, experience. It's also right. helped me make connections. Dr. Hillary Nunn mentioned a couple of minutes ago, or actually a few minutes ago, that um, right now the focus is more on uh, like music, jazz clubs, that, that sort of thing. Hillary, why, why is that your focus? Just a it, because, personal interest, I mean, uh, or? Well, yes, um, but but also because it is so important to Akron history, and it is something that many people know something about, but they tend to have the same um, set of facts readily at hand um, when they talk about Howard Street Jazz mm -hmm. and about jazz in Akron, and so um, we were thinking that it would be good to supply some new facts. <laughs> so okay. some things that, that aren't necessarily as often repeated that can help deepen our understanding as a community as to what was going on in Howard Street and neighboring places um, that, that made jazz so vital in Akron in the early 20th century, early and mid 20th century, um, because there's a lot going on. <laughs> so. Well, we're, I mean, approaching the midway point yeah. of the semester. So how has it been going so far? It's been going really well. Um, um, we have one um, group that's been working on the Cosmopolitan Club, which is currently right now, when we discovered the, the, uh, the site on the Cleveland Green Book, um, it was what's called a stub article, where it was known that it was there, we knew the address, but there were no particular details about it. Um, my class has managed to find many stories about the um, the standing orchestra that was there. Um, the managers were apparently in trouble with the law fairly often, <laughs> and um, this was not a, a thing that was um, uncommon because that is the kind of thing that was often reported in newspapers about Howard Street. So we've been trying to counter that narrative that comes through mm -hmm. in the Beacon Journal where Howard Street only was mentioned when things like that happen by thinking about the more everyday, um, more joyous occurrences there. Um, and so that's been going on, and they've discovered a lot of those things. I bet people are thrilled to tell those stories. Oh, definitely. They probably just didn't have anybody to tell them mm -hmm. to, mm -hmm. you know, that was really paying attention. I mean, it's exactly. one thing in the family room, mm -hmm. you know, after dinner or something. It's a different thing when you're getting it out there for other people to to understand what was happening. Exactly. And it is it it's thrilling for the students too because they keep discovering these small little items that they can fold into this larger story, which is amazing. And it, in a two-week period, they found out more than, you know, most people would ever have been able to find out through their collaborative research, which is really just wonderful. That's the whole point of, of running a class like this. 
Um, so students are finding that. There's another group that's really interested in the, um, the black and tan clubs of the time where people of many different races would congregate as opposed to just thinking about cl- uh, you know certain clubs being for particular audiences um, you know we that was something that came through in the the um, entries for the Cuyahoga Valley National Park or, or the things that are currently in the Cuyahoga Valley National Park but that these clubs were often places where black and white audiences could mix freely and while listening to jazz music and any other kind of music for that matter um, but there are some of those clubs that advertise themselves as black and tan within the city limits of Akron as well. And that's not something that anybody in the room knew (laughs) before Mm -hmm. we started this research. Um, So that was really nice to see. Um, So that's a new aspect of the the kinds of things that we are adding to the the knowledge of Howard Street. Um, Also, there um, are lots of clubs that are catering to audiences uh, that contain members of the LBGTQ community in, well, before 1940 um, on Howard Street. Yeah. So that's something that my students have have been delving into as well. So there's plenty out there to learn. Um, It takes some digging to find it. And we also know that there are a lot of things that people know that don't make the papers (laughs) and that um, we would love to be hearing about from people who um, have that knowledge in their families and elsewhere. So if somebody if, if if somebody is listening and they are that person yes. they have some how do they go about that? Well, they can they can leave a comment on the Cleveland Green Book site, um, or they can email us directly. Um, and my email is um, n u n n at uacron.edu, and I'm happy to hear from anybody who has leads for us. Um, my students, as I said, are also um, interested in hearing directly to from people at their Gmail address, too. So um, that's something you can get on the blogs that they've been keeping and advertising. I'm wondering, too, um, Greg, you know, you had the the project last semester. We have one this semester with the unclass, and actually both of you. Um, Is there a fear that this will just die? Well, I hope not. Um, yeah, I think the the interest got sparked from the park and then with the classes coming together. But we're hoping that, and, you know, as Hillary was saying, now that the, the website's out there, now that it, we're building it, mm-hmm. that we can make those connections out in the community and let the community start to tell those stories. You know, we've kind of started it, but we really want to see the people and their families with their memories, you know, bring their scrapbooks, bring their photo photo books, bring their histories that they have, and really share that. So we're hoping that we can build out from what we started to kind of keep this going. There's a lot of interest right now, I think, in uh, the inner belt, right? What what happened with the inner belt, what was lost, and again, trying to recover, right, those, those that history and those memories. And I think this could build on that. Um, and we can kind of continue that momentum that's that's been going on for the last what year or two. So and is continuing too with the yeah. bicentennial background. I right. think that yeah. as that is yeah. gaining momentum, mm-hmm. yeah. this project will become one that that more and more people get to know about and will think about contributing to. Yeah. Okay, you can check it out. Uh, go online, greenbookcleveland.org. You know, whenever we have people in from really anywhere in campus, I always like to get a little bit of glimpse into their uh, departments that they work in and. Uh, when we talk about history, Greg, what, mm-hmm. you know, 
why does somebody want to study history, particularly at the University of Akron, whether it's at the undergraduate level or the new um, applied history program, master's level? Yeah, uh, I think the things that Melanie said and Emily said, I think would apply. You know, there's so... There's so much that we don't know, right, about not just our local history, but our global history and so many connections that one can make from the past to the present um, in an age when there's been so much uh, effort to deny history, to attack history. Uh, I think it's really even more important maybe than ever that we reestablish the, the foundation and the importance of historical knowledge. So I think from that kind of big picture sense, um, our department is at the forefront in trying to protect that. But on a more practical level, <laughs> um, yeah, a combination you know, of both. Really, exactly. When we're making sure. These decisions. Exactly. History is a subject that one can develop so many uh, elements that are necessary for success in life, being able to communicate verbally, orally, critical thinking, um, you know, being able to research, you know, being able to discern fact from fiction or the gray areas in between. Um, all of those skills are really important for pretty much anything you want to do in life, wherever you may go, whether it's grad school, law school, working in business, nonprofit, you want to be a teacher, um, all of those things are essential. And so I think the study of history is really mm -hmm. important for that. Yeah, and I'm sure that you have heard, um, at least secondhand, some parent out there saying, why would you want to study history? What are you going to do with that? <laughs> Probably heard the same thing with getting a degree in English. Yeah, right? the, the liberal arts are, are, are being pushed aside now, I think. But, um, but still you know, have value. It's well, just, it's how, how it's study after study has shown that um, if you look at where people end up after getting a liberal arts degree, whether it's English history, anything like that, um, they are in these amazing positions uh, in life, whether it's business, etc. Um, so rather than be a detriment to success, a liberal arts is actually a, a critical pathway to success. Mm -hmm. yeah. when, when people start questioning uh, you and maybe family, neighbors, about people wanting to study English, I'm sure you have, I'm sure you've had the conversation. What's your typical response? Well, uh for the first thing that my students tell me when they have this conversation with their families is their families say, are you going to be a teacher? <laughs> and okay. yes, right. you yep. can be a, a teacher, yep. but that's not the only thing right. that you can do with an English degree. People in English read and write. I think everyone knows that. But first and foremost, they tell stories. Um, and that storytelling ability is something that is central to making a career and making a place for yourself in a community. Um, that's why we're doing this research now, because these stories have been lost. And so we are hoping that we can accurately tell these stories by combining the skills that English majors have mm -hmm. <laughs> and are developing throughout. Um, it's important for people to be able to, to talk to other people, to represent those people, and to represent themselves in ways that build connections. And English majors are really good at building connections. Yeah, and one thing to build on that, too, I think for both our our class that we did uh, in the fall and our degree, but the unclass that you're working on as well, and the public humanities mm -hmm. part of it, is that learning learning is not just something that happens in the classroom, right? Learning happens outside the classroom, right? With people in the community, um, and we are showing how that can work in these programs. And mm -hmm. the other thing is learning is not something that stops when class stops, right? Learning is lifelong and continues. And I think one of the values I see in our, in our majors and really all of the degrees, right, is that it, we, we establish a, a love of lifelong learning that's going to sustain you wherever you go. 
Zips Unlimited can be heard each Saturday at noon on 88.1 WZIP FM. Z- 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 Z-